but God is mostly concerned about a person's soul, about salvation. God didn't send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so you can have a better house or a nicer car or friends to hang out with or go on vacations and travel the world and so on. God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in the most horrible way so that he could pay for our sin debt so that we could live forever. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about serving all men. We live in an age where we are constantly told to worry only about ourselves, about our own goals, wishes, and desires. We're told to focus on making ourselves happy. And that's why we have what we have today. And consequently, families are falling apart because of this search for self-satisfaction. Most things continue functioning somehow with most people only focus on what they hope to gain personally. We're living in a me generation, but the Word of God teaches us something completely different. Today's message is inspired on 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 27. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, hallowed and glorified be your name. Blessing and honor and glory be to you, O Lord. For you are worthy to be praised and exalted, O God, for there is no one like you. Blessed are you, O Lord God, forever and ever. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, O Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Lord God, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may always Please have mercy on us. Please forgive me for my sins, for my wrongs. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, O Lord, as always, for your guidance. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may teach us through your Holy Spirit, through your word. But above everything, O Lord, help us to be able to be ready to listen, to understand, to take in your word, and to do it. Blessed be your name, O Lord, forever and ever. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Today's passage can be found in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 19 to 27. This is the word of the Lord. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law not being without law toward God, but under law toward Jesus Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it unto subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. This next statement that I mention is simple, yet has a lot of depth. We must try to help as much as possible people that have true needs. What does this mean? I should probably start with explaining the we first. Who is the we? 
The we is associated with Paul in this case, or all that want to be in a position like Paul's. So the we can be defined as those that want to have the imperishable crown. And that imperishable crown is eternal life. There is a bit of a misconception within our Christian community in that many make attaining eternal life or salvation seem very easy. There are those that say that all you have to do is believe and that nothing else is required. And yes, faith is a means or the basis that God has provided so that we can be saved. But the word is very clear in that we were saved for a purpose, for a reason. Salvation is a gift, but there are things that do need to happen in order to attain it, as Paul is talking about. There are those that believe that Paul's life is singular and that what Paul went through is not something that we will have to go through. There are folks that make a distinction between believers. It is true that each of our lives may take different journeys to the Lord with different experiences, but the basis of the journey should be identical. As we have mentioned many times before, based on the scriptures, sound biblical doctrine teaches us that we can only be saved by repenting and converting from all sins and making Jesus the effective and literal Lord of our lives. That is how a person is born again. And both need to happen. It's not just about believing in Christ and that's it. Both must be done together and with a complete and whole heart. Otherwise, there is no new birth in Christ. There is no new start. And just like the new birth or new start imply, it is a beginning. And if a person sees accepting Christ as just a vehicle for salvation, and then they just want to do whatever they feel like it after that, then that is a problem too. First, if they want to do whatever they want, was there then a true and genuine conversion? And second, if they're the ones calling the shots in their life, if you will, who then is the Lord of their life? Is it Christ or are they still just fulfilling their will? Now this journey implies that a new life in Christ has a purpose. We are not saved just because or without any kind of purpose or reason. We were created and saved through faith in Jesus Christ for a purpose, for a reason. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us very clearly what the purpose for salvation is, where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So do you see that there is a purpose? Salvation is free. It's a gift. It cannot be earned initially, but it has a purpose. As part of the culmination of sin, there must be good works. So good works are a must. We must produce good works. There must be a product rendered to the Lord. I know that this is what most people dislike about this concept about producing good works because most people enjoy the idea of salvation, of forgiveness and eternal life, but most people just want to continue doing whatever they want to do. They like the salvation part, but they dislike the part where the Lord is telling them what to do for the Lord to be the one that defines what happens after. Many can disagree or do not like this, but just because people willingly refuse to accept the truth does not change the fact that this is what is necessary. Our opinions don't dictate reality. God is not going to judge us based on our opinions. He is not going to ask us what we think. And so there should be an acceptance on our part. It's in our best interest to do as he tells us to do, especially if things are quite clear in his word. If we continue looking at his word, we are told that our faith needs to produce works. This is how we show our faith. In James chapter 2, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, 
If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace and be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So there must be works. True faith in Christ must produce works. Now we have said in the beginning that we should help with true needs. And true needs would be defined by things that are essential, things that are utterly indispensable. And here is another place we need to explain just a bit more. Sometimes people will try to take advantage of certain situations. It is very possible that people with ill intentions will try to exploit the goodwill of others. One way to help alleviate that potential issue is, of course, praying for God's direction. Divine guidance is always there for us. But also we need to know how to interpret what a true and genuine need is. There are times that people, especially those that are ill-intentioned, will try to solicit help for things that are not real needs, for things that are more want and desire than anything else. In Matthew chapter 25, it helps us understand even more clearly what we should help with from a physical well-being perspective, where it says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or even did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of these least of my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so we read of things here that are genuine needs, things that encompass ultimately survival. We see here as dire needs like hunger, thirst, homelessness, nakedness, and loss of freedom. Hunger implies that a person has absolutely nothing to eat. Thirst implies that they have absolutely nothing to drink. Nakedness implies that they have absolutely nothing or lack the bare essentials required to protect themselves from the elements. Let's say a person is in a place where there is extreme cold and all they're wearing is pants and a t-shirt. 
Anyone should be able to understand that they need a coat, something that is good enough to help them stay healthy, to protect them from extreme temperatures. So sometimes it's not necessarily about being completely naked. Now, regarding homelessness, we need to be very careful with this. We live in an age where you just can't bring anyone into your house and this requires a lot of prayer. There are spiritual implications when bringing someone under your roof. When you bring someone home, there are obvious things that should be contemplated. If you have a son or daughter that are vulnerable, you need to take that into consideration. There are people with mental problems. God certainly wants us to help, but there needs to be some level of wisdom employed when making a decision like that. There are ways that homelessness can be helped, and it may not always require for you to bring someone into your house. Now, we see here that the word refers to people in prison, and people may be in prison for different reasons. The obvious one is that it may refer to someone that is paying for a crime, and so they're dealing with the consequences of the wrong actions. We always need to remember and keep in mind that people can change, especially when being challenged by the consequences of their wrongful actions. And of course, there are people that are in prison accidentally or wrongfully, and they need help. We also need to remember that as Christians, there may come a time like it is happening in different parts of the world where we are being persecuted for our faith. The Apostle Paul was a prime example of that, where he was unjustly persecuted, imprisoned, and ultimately killed for his faith in Christ. And how can we not help someone in such circumstances? In this passage that we just read, though, we see that there is a judgment. The king or God will separate people, those that have done his will and those that have not done his will. Each one of us will give an account for what we have done. There is no distinction in the word of God about some people standing judgment and others not standing judgment. There is absolutely no place in the scriptures that demonstrates that someone will get a free pass or something like that. Those of us that believe in Christ will be judged on our actions, so we don't get a pass. But actually, quite the contrary. The Bible mentions this very clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says, Therefore we, and Paul is including himself in here when he says we, and here's that we again, make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all, notice that he is saying all, not some or certain individuals, but all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, notice also that he is referring to good or bad. Some Christians interpret that believers in Christ will only be judged in the sense or for the intention of distribution of rewards. And yes, there is some truth to that. But the main reason for the judgment is to see who really belongs to God or not based on their actions, on their works. You see, there is no fooling God. Pretending to be religious will not help anyone. Making people believe something you are not is not going to work for the Lord. God will judge us according to our works. And the main qualifier for the Lord on this judgment day is if a person actually did God's will or not. And this is what Jesus himself said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so how can people that preach and cast out demons and do wonders go to hell? 
And the answer is this. God is mostly interested on the why and where the direction came from. What was the reason for why a person did what they did? Were you doing something because you loved the Lord or for some other reason? And the test is more than laser focused, if you will, on the intention of the heart. God is mostly concerned about the why we do things, not even about the what. The only reason for why I am doing what I'm doing now, which is speaking on God's behalf or preaching, is because I love the Lord and because it is something that he has led me to do. There are no other reasons. Just in case I don't get paid to preach, for the glory of God, this ministry does not ask for donations or offerings or anything like that in order to operate. This is purely done for love to the Lord because God has ordained it for the honor and glory of his name. And of course, so that as many people as possible in the world come to know Jesus Christ and his truth, which leads us to our last point. What is the greatest help a follower of Jesus Christ should provide? Physical needs are extremely important and we must help as best as we can within our means. For instance, right now in western part of Florida, they are going through a very terrible time as a result of Hurricane Ian. Many lives were lost. Many homes were lost. Many people lost everything they have. There are true needs here, and there is no way that the government or insurance companies can provide everything all of these thousands upon thousands of people need. These people have true needs, true hurt and pain. And at the very least, God's people should at least pray for the victims of this disaster. But included with tending to those kinds of needs, the greatest need is the gospel, eternity. And so our mission in life, which completely aligns with the will of the Father, is to share the gospel as his Holy Spirit guides. Matthew chapter 16 tells us this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. And here it is again. God will reward each person according to their works. And we see here also that in the grand scheme of things, a person's soul is the most important thing. We can provide food, water, clothing, and shelter, but all of those things are passing. God is mostly interested in where a person will spend eternity. The purpose of the cross was not to meet our physical needs. Christ died on the cross so we can have the greatest need met, the eternal forgiveness of sins and entrance through faith into eternity. That's why one of the main distortions in our Christian community today is when people start focusing too much on the here and now and on how God can meet your needs in the present time. That is important, but God is mostly concerned about a person's soul, about salvation. God didn't send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so you can have a better house or a nicer car or friends to hang out with or go on vacations and travel the world and so on. God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in the most horrible way so that he could pay for our sin debt, so that we could live forever. That is the extent of God's love, mercy, and grace. And there is no room for anything that is vain or superficial. And this is why our focus should be completely on the Lord and on doing his will, whatever he tells us to do. Our very lives depend on him. There is no room for opinion. And certainly there is no room for hypocrisy. God is watching everything that we do 
and why we do them, and he will judge us accordingly. For it is written, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season he shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. And so if you want to have eternal life, we cannot afford to be selfish. We must look to help people as much as possible, but always under the leadership of Jesus Christ. We must do everything with the intention and purpose of fulfilling the first and most important commandment of all, which is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. We should and are required to serve all men, but our only reason and intention should be because we have come to love the Lord with everything we are. For it is also written, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. Salvation through Jesus Christ is a free gift from God. We cannot work for it. We cannot earn it based on our own merits. There is no way we can be good enough to have it. We cannot fulfill the law of God on our own. Everything is based and granted on faith. But once we have repented and converted from all of our sins and received Jesus Christ as the effective and literal Lord of our lives, there are things that must happen as a result of that decision of that new beginning in Christ. The result of faith must bear fruit. There must be good works. This is what Galatians chapter 5 says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so we must live in the Spirit and produce those things that result from living in the Spirit. Every single aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control can only be demonstrated through action, through works. There is no other way these things can be shown. These are not feelings that are being conveyed. Feelings mean nothing. These are things that cause actions that other people can experience. Our faith must impact positively those people that surround us or come in contact with us somehow. Right now, through the work of the Holy Spirit and with the help of modern technology, this message is being transmitted all over the world to many people in many different countries. And this message is generated and fueled through the fruit of the Spirit as a result of faith. Our faith is that all that listen are touched somehow by God through these messages so that other people can come to have this faith, this eternal life, this hope in through Jesus Christ. This is God's will as it is written. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God 
and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that all men could be saved by coming to the knowledge of the truth. It is the Father's will. It is his desire that all men be saved without exception. And so we who have made this faith in Jesus Christ ours must serve all men as best as we can in their times of need, but serving the greatest need of all, salvation. Our goal should be to love the Lord with everything we are and to love our neighbor as ourselves. For this is God's true will and purpose for our lives, the reason for why we were created and now saved through Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ must produce good works that transcend time and into all eternity for the glory of God the Father. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, blessing and honor and glory be to you, O Lord. Thank you for your goodness, for your mercy for the salvation that you give us through Jesus Christ. Help us, O Lord, to understand that when we repent with all of our hearts from all of our sins and we come to believe and accept and receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives, that that is only the beginning. Help us to understand that there must be more that takes place. Help us to understand that we must do your will, whatever it takes, day in, day out, Lord God, that everything that we do may be for your honor and glory, Lord God, that whether we have families or whether we have possessions or whether we have jobs or careers, Lord God, whatever it is that we do, that we do it because you have directed us that way and because we do it thinking that we do all things for you. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that we can make every second count towards your kingdom if we put you first and if we do everything like if we do it to you. Help us, O Lord, to be led by you. Help us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Help us to look to do your will. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise for you and you alone are worthy of all things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.